evening. Thank you for downloading the Time Red Box podcast. I'm Luke Jones, still in for Matt Chorley while he suns himself on the beaches of Crete. Ahead on this podcast, we are not going to do Disunited Kingdom, as we might normally do. We're going to do Disunited Afghanistan. We're going to hear from some of the powers involved in what's happening, uh, give you the view from Pakistan, from Russia, from China and the US. First, though, our columnists today, Robert Crampton and Alice Thompson. Alice, if I can start with you, because in the paper today, you're you're reflecting on this theme, aren't you? And and especially what Theresa May was just saying at the moment in in terms of um, what's going to be happening with women and girls in Afghanistan is a particular worry. And and you've reported on this in the past. It's something you write about in the paper today. I thought her speech was great, actually. You forget because you always you have this image of Theresa May and wheat seals. You forget that actually she could give a very good speech. But um, I went there 20 years ago and spent three months going around Afghanistan, mainly in Iran and Tajikistan and Uzbekistan um, and Pakistan. But I did go into Afghanistan to Kandahar. um, And I reported on the women there and what it was like in the camps. And it was, I mean, it was soul-destroying. It was ghastly what was happening to them and really appalling. And I was looking back at some of my columns, actually. Even then, I never thought it would get better for them for a long time. I was quite sceptical that they would be able to go back to Afghanistan, but they did. And I kept up with a lot of them and they went back and they became MPs. One became a lawyer. They had friends who became judges. They really did extraordinary things, some of these women. And they were really gutsy and amazing. And their children have all gone to school and the girls were learning science and maths. And and it really was a success story in a way that I hadn't quite realised, you know, at the time that they could be changed that you just you become so cynical but they you know they really had a different life than they could have had and also there was a whole sense of i think that that their time had come and that they weren't going to go back again and if you look at the statistics over half the people born in afghanistan were born after the taliban came last time so they don't even know what it was like so I feel now we are just going backwards in the most mm. appalling, ghastly way. And the women don't believe it when the Taliban say that they've changed and that they, you know, that women will be able to be um, to enjoy some of um, the yeah. privileges that men have. I just don't really believe it, and I don't think they do, which is why they're not on the streets anymore. Robert, what did you think of, of what we've heard in the Commons? We've just had uh, three big beasts: the Prime Minister, Leader of the Opposition, and mm. former Prime Minister Theresa May. What stuck out for you? Theresa May. I thought uh, I thought it's hard to improve on what she said. I thought she was prime minister again for a moment because I just uh, I just started listening when uh, when she was speaking and taking all those questions. Uh, yeah, I mean she's she's obviously has uh, some first hand knowledge uh, of the situation uh, like Alice, and it's hard it's hard to really add anything to what she said. It's a disaster uh, for women and children in Afghanistan and for anybody uh, with any kind of mm. liberal Western values and it's a disaster for the west in general that the americans have just shown this signal failure of leadership and it's an interesting situation that the that the uk government find themselves in now isn't it alice because um on times radio breakfast this morning general Senate carter um uh, chief uh, general uh, in charge of the army essentially um said that uh, talked about negotiating with the taliban and engaging with the taliban and the work they're doing together to, to secure the airport and things like that which is quite shocking when you actually hear a, a chorus of other commentators and former ministers and, and senior politicians saying why on earth are you dealing with the Taliban? Well there is no alternative now and I think I mean, that's what Theresa May spelled out that you know, particularly after President Trump there was no way back in some ways that they, they were going to take over it's just the manner in which it happened and the fact that actually by having 
you know, just a presence there. We didn't manage to stop it for quite a long time. And mm. you, you look at those, you know, what was achieved there and what we were now going to lose. And whatever the Taliban say and whatever they do, that you just don't trust them on any level. And, you, you know, I mean, I saw them, you know, from a distance and what they'd done. And you saw these, you know, there were five million refugees that, you know, had fled from this regime. You, it was just utterly ghastly and devastating. And as, as mm. one of the other speakers said, it wasn't oh. just, it was gays, it was women, it was divorcees. Um, you know, there, there were so many people involved. And then all, now it'll be more, it'll be the people that were involved with the British and there were the Americans and with the Allies, that, mm. that the interpreters, the people who were trained up as, you know, in all sorts of different spheres, you know, and in the civil service and the legal system, they're all vulnerable now. And Robert, just finally, it's a strange um, impotence of, of the House of Commons at the moment, isn't it? In that all this debate is happening, but it, it's happened. Forces are out of Afghanistan. Afghanistan has collapsed. It is, you know, want for a better phrase, it's, it's a talking shop today. Yes, it is. I mean, the, the Vice Admiral, uh, I think Vice Admiral Key, who's in charge of the evacuation, said as much, uh, essentially the evacuation of the remaining 6,000 people that we want to get out is entirely dependent on the goodwill of the Taliban. Uh, so, yes, it's a talking shop, but I, I mean, I guess there are points to be made. I thought Theresa May made a good point about to the servicemen who who, uh, who who fought there and in some cases mm. died there and their, their families. That was Robert Crampton and Alice Thompson, our columnists. In a moment, disunited Afghanistan. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now, time for Disunited Afghanistan. Let's start things off with Didi Tang, Times Beijing correspondent. Didi, welcome. Didi, hello. Can you hear me? Yes, we can, loud and clear. Thank you so much for making time for us. Um, In terms of China's view of this, um, how is the return of the Taliban in Afghanistan being received? So, actually, Beijing uh, met with the Taliban uh, delegates uh, before uh, the Taliban seized Kabul. So it was in July, a senior delegation from the Taliban came to China to have a visit with the Chinese foreign minister. At the time, basically, the Chinese government was telling the Taliban you needed to set up a government that will be inclusive and open and that we're willing to help you with the peace construction and the reconstruction of its economy. So China actually was trying to have a relationship with the Taliban government. And then, so this week, the Chinese foreign ministry has come out to say, look, you know, we are going to develop 
a good neighbor relationship with the Taliban government. Mm. And there have been lots of talks like China probably is going to come in to fill the void. But what I see here is China is going to use Afghanistan, Afghanistan as a bargaining trip in its relationship with the U.S., so this is sort of my point of view is, you know, I think China have already has already seen what has happened to mm. the former Soviet Union, to the U.S. I don't think China is going to come into Afghanistan directly, but China is going to use Afghanistan. In, in what way? To, for its, you know, U, U.S. relationship. In what way, Didi? Because now the U.S. is looking to China for help, right, to stabilize the situation in Afghanistan. And we know China and the Pakistan, they're very close allies. And given the influences Pakistan has over the Taliban in Afghanistan, you can imagine, right, China probably will be able to have some kind of say, you know, in what's going on in Afghanistan. Of course, you know, we all know uh, China has already laid a pretty good, you know, groundwork uh, in Afghanistan. China has never fought any faction in the country. So it's possible for China to actually to build a relationship with the Taliban government, hmm. uh, which means, you know, the, gov- the Chinese government may have some kind of say, you know, in what's going on on the ground. And of course, you know, uh, the Taliban has already asked Chinese government for help with economy. And, and, and China it, apparently appears to be ready to do that. All of that, you know, if you're looking at, you know, the diplomacy, the talks, you know, between the Chinese government, the foreign minister and the Blinken. And it's, you know, Blinken is reaching out to China for help. And China is going to use that to improve or to get what it needs, you know, from the U.S. government on many other issues, you know, international relations. I mean, all those issues, they're linked, interlinked. And that I, I won't be surprised if China is using its kind of power, right, mm. the position um, to ask for some kind of concessions from the U.S. government. And in terms of uh, practically what China's involvement in Afghanistan might look like, um, will it be military aid? Will they be more interested in getting involved in the Afghan economy like we've seen China do in so many African nations? I think two things that China will be most interested uh, in these days. One is the safety uh, or China's so-called anti-terror campaign in in the region of Xinjiang. So Wang Yi has made it very clear to the Taliban, asking Taliban to cut, you know, to break clean with all terror groups, you know, around the world. And the Taliban has already promised and agreed that Afghanistan sword is not going to be used to to have any kind of attack on China. So which means, you know, China doesn't want to see any kind of infiltration from Afghanistan to instate to 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 disrupt the order in Xinjiang because you know Xinjiang we know there's a huge you know Muslim population and then China has been blaming kind of Islam Islamic extremism for the terror or for the violence in the region. We all you know have re- you know those reports of those you know the re-education centers where those Muslim, the Uyghur Muslim they have been locked up. And China has invested so much, they have done so much to stabilize the situation in Xinjiang. And they don't want to see that uh, to be upset, you know, with the new regime in Afghanistan because of the connections, the Islamic connections. So this is, I think, the top priority is China doesn't want to see any kind of terror, you know, activities uh, to seep, you know, through the border to China. I think that's the top priority. The second one, of course, as you say, is the economy. And China actually has lots of investments, you know, in Afghanistan. It has the deal, you know, to... to uh, for uh, to to develop a copper mine in Afghanistan, 
And I think, you know, also to operate oil fields in Afghanistan, as well as, you know, some kind of plans to build a uh, power station. So all those investments, they're pretty, you know, important to China, especially to China's this called in you know, the Belt and Road Initiative. And then you can also argue that you know, Afghanistan is important in a way because China also wants to, needs to extend, you know, the, the, the road and the Belt Initiative through Afghanistan to Pakistan. You know, the goal is for China is to go all the way to Pakistan to reach the, the, the sea. Otherwise, you know, you're still being going to be landlocked. It doesn't make any sense. But Afghanistan is a very important kind of mm, connecting point. Yeah. And so China doesn't want to see any kind of instability because otherwise, you know, China, how is China going to be able to get to, you know, Pakistan in a very safe and a secure way, right? right? Yeah. I mean, I think that's very important, the, the economy, as well as all those investments in mm. Afghanistan. And we have seen reports, Chinese business, they're ready to go back to Afghanistan now. Uh, they want to you know go back to the to the copper mine. They want to go back to the oil fields, but you know the the political stability is going to be the number one. And they also want to make sure you know they will be able to make money. So China can talk business, right? If they can't make money, maybe they will hesitate. But then stability and then to protect mm. their investments along the road and belt, uh, the road belt routes. Yes, uh, that protection, that consideration Definitely. is going to be very high up there. Didi, thank you for, for briefing us on The View from China. I appreciate it. That's Didi Tang, Times Beijing correspondent. Uh, now let's move uh, to Russia. We can go to Moscow and speak to CNN's uh, Friedrich Plaitgen. Um Friedrich, welcome. Hi. Um, so in terms of, of Russia's view of what's happening in Afghanistan, of course, Russia has has history with military involvement in Afghanistan. How, uh, how are the government there going to be viewing what's taking place uh, at mm. the moment? Well, right now, what we're seeing from Russia is really uh, threefold as far as they're viewing all this. On the one hand, you're absolutely right. Of course, they do have a, a long history here, a very painful history with Afghanistan as well. And of course, they also still have a lot of hard feelings towards the United States for supporting uh, the Mujahideen back in, in, in the 1980s and, and you know, eventually driving the Soviet Union out of Afghanistan, which many say you know, played its part in the eventual collapse of the Soviet Union. So what you're hearing now is a little bit of trash talk from Russian officials. You have the envoy uh, for Afghanistan who said uh, the day before yesterday, well, look, they really thought that this military that the U.S. built up, that it was going to last a little bit longer than this. The Russian government or the, the Soviet-backed government in its day at least lasted for three years, and this one didn't even last until the actual pullout date. So you do have some of that trash talk going on, but you do, of course, also have a Russia that really has been preparing for this day for a very long time. And what they're focused on right now is stabilizing their own situation in the country. Of course, they want to become more influential. They probably have to become more influential in Afghanistan. You're already seeing them talk to the Taliban on the ground. Russian ambassador had a meetings with top Taliban officials yesterday um, to get safety and security for, for their embassy there, which is continuing to function. They're not going to stop that. And you have Sergei Lavrov, the foreign minister, who's saying he's seeing some positive signs, as he puts it, from the Taliban. But the Russians still taking a wait and see approach. The Taliban are still considered a terror organization here. They're still banned in Russia. Um, so the Russians really waiting to see what's going to happen uh, and see you know, how much influence they're actually going to be able to exert there and what sort of relationship they're going to be able to have with the Taliban. But I think one of the other things that we have to focus on as well is that there is a security concern on the part of the Russians also. They don't want to see um, Afghanistan turn into a breeding ground for uh, extremists uh, like, like, yes. like it was uh, at certain points in the past. And, you know, we have to keep in mind that there are some very close allies of Russia with very long borders with Afghanistan. You have Tajikistan, for instance, and Uzbekistan. 
And over the past couple of months, the Russians have, to a great deal, increased the military maneuvers that they've had with those nations, and, and they've held those military maneuvers, at least in part, at the border with Afghanistan. So that's you can see they're taking it very seriously. Yeah, That's interesting you mention that, Frederick, because whenever we hear about um, Islamist extremism coming out of Afghanistan, we always think of attacks on uh, on the US, on the UK. How big actually is the threat to as you, Russia, but also, as you say, some, some of the former Soviet what? states which border it? Yeah, I think I think for the Russians, I think that they believe that it's a, it's a big threat to them. And in fact, if if you look at Vladimir Putin and how he built the early parts of his presidency, how he you know got this reputation of being this tough leader, it was because of the way that he prosecuted uh, the the war back then with Chechnya, where he said we're not going to give, as he put it, terrorists even an inch. We're going to be tough on them. Um, that was also one of the rationales that they had for for going into Syria at the time. You know, we have to remember that in Syria, there were a great deal of Chechens who were fighting on the part of of ISIS, some senior commanders as well. And that was one of the reasons, obviously, they also supported the Assad uh, regime and continue to do so, was also one of the reasons why they did that intervention there. So the Russians are very afraid of a destabilization. And Frederick, in terms of what might actually practically happen now, uh, what can you see Russia doing? You mentioned already maybe some troop movements on the border, but are we going to see President Putin flying to Kabul and and shaking hands maybe? Or, you know, what actually could we actually see happen? Frederick, hello. Oh, we appear to have lost the line to Frederick. We'll uh, try and regain connection with him. Um, That's uh, Frederick Pleitgen, who is from CNN, a senior, (laughs) there he goes, uh, senior international correspondent for CNN. Uh, Now let's hear what all of this might mean for the US. Uh, Scott Lucas is Professor of American Studies at the University of Birmingham. Scott, welcome. Very good morning. Um, In terms of what happens now strategically for the US, um, where are minds turning in Washington, D.C., would you think? Well, first, I think it's vital the way you've done this, because I don't think you can consider the U.S. without considering, as your other guests are explaining, the maneuvers that China, Russia, Pakistan and other countries, I would mention Iran as being an important one, are going to be making. Uh, The starting point for a lot of the U.S. coverage right now, of course, is the domestic impact of the American withdrawal, particularly upon the Biden administration. I think that impact domestically will be relatively short term. Uh, I think it'll be a shock. Uh, But by the time we get to September, I think the focus within America will be more on the economy, more on the coronavirus pandemic, Mm. uh, more on the social division. Strategically, of course, however, that question doesn't disappear. And the starting point is, is that when the Americans withdrew from Afghanistan, I don't think they they not only handed the keys to the Taliban inside the country, they put themselves on the sidelines of what happens next. You're going to hear a lot of statements about, oh, well, democracy, human rights, maybe we'll use sanctions. But the fact is, is that they lost their leverage with that rapid withdrawal and basically the images that you're seeing. And as you heard from Didi, China has moved very quickly, very, very quickly in terms of its own interest in the situation. Uh, It has a security interest, as she mentioned. But notice how she focused on China's Belt and Road Initiative, Hmm. you know, this expansion through Asia. 25 years ago, the Chinese did not recognize the Taliban. This time, they moved very quickly to tip off. They want friendly relations because they see Afghanistan, I think, if it stabilizes, as part of their maneuvers. Similarly, Russia, which, of course, has not had good relations with uh, Islamic groups in the past. Think about, uh, you know, the fight against the Soviets in the 1980s. They're moving to repair their Asian position and also give the U.S. a poke in the eye by building links as well. 
And Pakistan is absolutely vital here. Pakistan is vital because of that alliance that uh, Didi talked about with China. Uh, but Pakistan is vital because Imran Khan has made a very pointed message to the United States. If you notice a couple days ago, he said uh, he talked about uh, welcoming the, the loosening of the shackles of slavery. Now, that was with relation to a Pakistan educational event. But it was also a pointed comment in Afghanistan, which is we don't have to depend on the Afghanistan and the NATO. We don't have to follow here. Uh, I think the Biden administration calculated that they were just expending and wasting resources mm. and indeed troops in Afghanistan. I think from a narrow point of view, fair enough. But I think that when the Biden administration has an emphasis on a competition with China, they may have miscalculated here because but, Afghanistan cannot be separated from the region. But in terms of immediate next steps, um, first of all, lots of countries, the UK included, are announcing various uh, Afghan refugee relocation schemes. Do we know what the what the US is doing on that front? Well, the United States, even before this in May, which was after Joe Biden's withdrawal announcement, had processed uh, visas for about 2,500 Afghans. Uh, as the Taliban moved into Kabul, Joe Biden did not give a specific number in his uh, one statement, which he made the other night. Mm. But U.S. officials have leaked to the media that we're talking about processing thousands of Afghans, maybe more than 10,000 Afghans to come to the United States with a couple of military bases being converted or being adapted for emergency housing. And in, as well in terms of what might happen militarily in the future, um, President Biden, in his statement the other night, did sort of hint that if it is called for, um, forces could go back into Afghanistan as part of a one-off mission, like they do in many other countries around the world when a terrorist threat crops up, not necessarily setting up a full presence there or a base there, but just going in on a, on a needs-must basis. What is the appetite like for that um, around the political spectrum in the Senate, in the House of Representatives? Well, I mean, you know, the war on terror used to be a good soundbite and, and using it might be a saving soundbite here, but it's being treated as diversionary by both Democrats and Republicans uh, for two reasons. One is, you know, if you want to talk about the war against terror in, in Afghanistan, in part, it was diminished by 2002 because Osama mm. bin Laden and al-Qaeda were in Pakistan. So what were you doing the next 19 years? Well, especially under the Obama administration, although Joe Biden opposed it, you were nation building. So the priority now, as we're seeing for many Americans, at least Americans who, who are commenting politically, is, look, you know, let's not be talking about ISIS or al-Qaeda or whatever specters out there. Let's talk about the disorder, the question of possible mm. repression, indeed likely repression inside Afghanistan. Counterterrorism has, has been a distraction in the past from key issues. It's being used here as a partial distraction. But I think the bigger issue here is, is whether these politicians disagree with a bigger shift that Biden put forward. That speech the yeah. other night was America first. Scott and that America first, yeah, America first approach, that's going to be the vital question. Scott Lucas, thank you so much for making time for us this morning. I appreciate it. He's Professor of American Studies at the University of Birmingham. So that's the US done, uh, Moscow, China. Let's move to uh, Pakistan now and speak to Kamar Chima, who is an academic in Pakistan. Kamar, welcome to the programme. Thank you. Um, in terms of Pakistan's role in this, uh, Professor Lucas there was telling us about uh, public statements that Imran Khan has already made about the situation. Um, what is the government uh, in Islamabad going to be thinking about at the moment? Well, I think the government in Pakistan is thinking that uh, if uh, 
we have to recognize uh, the Taliban government, then there should be a regional approach. It means that the Iranians, Chinese and other countries need to come forward uh, for recognizing Taliban's rule. And obviously, we believe that there should be an inclusive Islamic emirate, which means that uh, uh, they should also include other sectarian groups, other ethnic groups uh, uh, as, as a part of the government process. So uh, it seems that the Taliban are on that path, one thing. The second thing is that Pakistan may not recognize Taliban the way we did back in after the disintegration of Soviet Union by, uh, you know, annoying the Americans and many others. So Pakistan is also likely to have its position where we will remain sync and synchronized uh, with the American position on Afghanistan. So we would like to see that how Great Britain and America mm-hmm. is also looking at Afghanistan. Uh, and I would like to have uh, them on board uh, for, for that. But also, since regional countries are very open to have uh, uh, for the recognition of Taliban, so it seems that this time the Taliban recognition is going to be very smooth. But isn't there going to be more focus on what uh, Pakistan does, um, especially as people start to worry about the, the terrorist threat at Afghanistan again? Um, Lots of people will be looking at the fact that many Taliban leaders have homes in Pakistan. There are many Taliban fighters in Pakistan. Pakistan has been accused over the years of of, of harbouring uh, Taliban fighters. Um, so isn't Pakistan going to be dragged more and more into the counterterrorism spotlight? Well, I think whatever you say about Pakistan or whatever the international opinion is, uh, the, the, the U.S. president uh, two days ago in, in his statement clearly mentioned that the Afghan political leadership and the Afghan military leadership were not ready. They were not the good partners to fight against Taliban. So they should not blame Pakistan. It was, a, it was the entire global military might, all the possible military and economic assets the world used against Taliban and they couldn't win. So with a few hundred uh, houses in Pakistan, that doesn't mean that Pakistan has, a, has an entire leverage on Afghanistan, one thing. Second thing is that with all that leverage Pakistan had on the Taliban, that is why we made it possible that uh, the international community should have talks with them. What happened in Doha uh, with the Afghans and the, with the, with the Americans and the Taliban were sitting, that was because of the Pakistani effort and whatever the limited influence Pakistan had over Taliban. So having, uh, and above all, uh, they opened an office in, in Doha, that doesn't mean Qatar is involved in Afghanistan or Qatar is, uh, didn't want that uh, Ashraf Ghani to lose or Ashraf Ghani to, to lose or to be humiliated this way. So those who are partners in peace, Pakistan is a partner in peace. We have seen this 18 years, uh, which no one can imagine, billions of dollars lost, thousands of people lost their life, entire social structure of the country has collapsed because of this war against terrorism. Many people have died, uh, these, the families have broken so we have paid the price along with Afghanistan and we don't want uh, that there should be, uh, uh, you know, again, a civil war in Afghanistan. So Pakistan's position is very clear and the West understands that. But there are some elements yeah. which keep on criticizing Pakistan. Thank you very much for your time this morning. Kamar Chima, an academic in Pakistan, wrapping up our disunited Afghanistan, uh, the view of what is happening from uh, Pakistan, as we're just hearing there, uh, from the US, from China and from um, Russia as well. Bringing to an end, disunited Afghanistan. That's it from us. Thanks so much for downloading. Do download tomorrow. I'm Luke Jones. Matt will return on Monday.